Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day legends, how you doing? Welcome back to Potty Magic. My name's Jared Magdal. I'm your host today. And uh, to all the regular subscribers, listeners, uh, supporters, everybody that's been getting around uh, Potty Magic uh, on social media, absolutely bloody love you guys. And thank you so much for uh, your continued support. I can't wait to keep growing this podcast all this year and keep getting great guests on it. And yeah, it's, I've, I've absolutely loved doing this all this year. It's been, um, you know, the thing I've looked forward to each week is getting an episode out. And uh, it's all because of, um, your support and everybody listening so thank you so much uh if uh, maybe this is your first potty magic episode welcome i uh, can't wait to get into this one i was joined by will schofield who's a premiership player for west coast eagles he's got a a cracking podcast called Back Chat here in uh, in perth and it's gone absolutely bloody nuts it's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to and it was a absolute privilege and pleasure to have him uh, all the way down in the depths of Candy Vale doing the episode with me today. So thank you so much, Will, for um, making the trip and doing the episode with me. Um, just before we get into the episode with Will, a quick little nod to the sponsors today. So the sponsor of the show today is Body Magic Online. So I've actually got my next 12-week challenge starting on March the 20th. So maybe if you've been thinking that, oh shit, like, you know, by March I was thinking I would have my shit sorted. I was thinking this is going to be hot boying, hot girl summer for me all year 2023, but maybe hasn't quite gone to plan and quite gone that way just yet. This challenge is literally perfect for you. The program includes a full structured workout regime that's going to be changed every four weeks and, and you can either train at home or at the gym. You'll also get a full customized meal plan with 50 plus recipes on the website that you can choose from and only actually eat foods that you enjoy and are looking forward to eating. And most importantly, you're going to get a weekly check-in with me or another Body Magic coach to keep you accountable, guide you through the 12-week process and answer any questions and just be supportive all throughout the way. For all of that, it's only $25 per week to do online and there is very, very limited spots. So make sure you get on in quick. It all kicks off March 20th. And if you're interested in signing up, head to www.bodymagic.com dot fit sign on up today can't wait to get ripping into it on march 20th and let's get into the episode with will here we go All right, welcome back to another episode of Potty Magic. I have got a cracking guest today. Uh, this is the first time we've met as well, and I really like it when uh, I've only just met the person because you actually get chatting about all the good <laughs> stuff, which is good. But he played 194 games for West Coast Eagles. He's a 2018 Premiership player, uh, West Coast Life member. He's got this beautiful, deep, soothing voice, and he's got a uh, he's got a spot on six PR. He's uh, he's running businesses all over the place. Uh, he's also got a uh, a um, podcast called Back Chat, which I'm a big fan of, uh, and uh, direct competitor Body Magic. So uh, please welcome the, the enemy. I mean, not the enemy. No. The, <laughs> Will Schofield. We are a community. <laughs> We're a Community, right? Community, absolutely. Um, and what's funny, actually, is I'm a massive fan of, uh, of Backchat. I listen to it flat out. Well, if we're going to exchange fan stories, I've got to start with this. So, yeah. Look, I'm, and what, do I watch a lot of TV? Not really, but this one year, I don't know what year it was. You will know. You, you did it. Mate, I, <laughs> I was fucking obsessed with Love Island. Like, yes. Like, never done it again. Never done it before. Just this one season. I'm watching along. Like, and it was my season. Oh, it was your season. Yes. Right, yes. You, know, you, were, you were the nice guy. Yeah, were, I was. I got the, the boat that didn't fit in because you were too fucking nice for all these absolute fucking flamers. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> you kick yourself out of the house. Mate, my, my missus and I were on holiday somewhere and we were like, we literally would like start the day and do the breakfast and you know, the kids are running around, blah, blah, blah. And then we'd like 
get a babysitter and like put the kids down and watch fucking Love Island on the yes. bed. Yes, it's trash, but it's so good. But yeah, dude, right. I'm 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 the same. But I watch. Uh, Fan to you, mate. I'm I'm watching Maths at the moment. That's nah, my one. You can't do that. Oh man, if you love Love Island, you better get into that. No, no, it was just the one season. I tried to watch another season of Love Island. Hated Couldn't it. do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's because I wasn't there. Obviously, correct. man. I fucking hated Love Island. <laughs> I hated every <laughs> second of that I'm fucking thing. Glad you're happy for me to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. It was um. It was actually just the word. I was there for 42 days. 42. Nights. It looked grim. It was shit. It's like because it's forty two days. You're not speaking to your family, your friends. Yeah. You, I'm speaking to my mum and dad for forty two days. You're not drinking like, there. You know, like if Nothing. if you get a drink, you get one drink, one awesome. drink for the night, and awesome. that's it. So you might as well not have a drink. Yeah, you don't sleep. Like the um the lights in the bedroom. There was like you're so bored. There's just nothing to do. There's two hundred and forty of those fluorescent you tubes. Them. Yeah. yeah. Well, what else you got to do? You got nothing to do. Uh, and they're on until they go. All right, cool. We're going to turn the lights off, and you and they click it off. So it might be three in the morning, four in the morning. It sounds um, horrid. It's fucking horrible. Yeah, it's like a good looking prison. That's what I described it as. Someone, <laughs> someone tried to get me to do Survivor last year, and I can. I could it. see you doing Survivor. Well, yeah. I might look like I should be on a yeah. Survivor like, like, I considered it, and that was easy. I was like, I think I would get too like mentally fragile. Like, it I'd is. It lose is. my mind being somewhere away from family. With random people, yeah. Like, so I was like, "Hats off to you, mate." Very yeah, good. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. tough work. And though. what you're doing here, mate? This is cool. Oh, too. thank you so much. Thank Love you. Well, um, I, this is a bit of a role reversal because usually we've you started know, with a full fucking love off there. Yeah, I, like, yeah. I swear. By the it's way, go, I've, go, I've sworn uh, about as much as you like, as much as you like. Yeah. Right. Um, but a uh, bit of a role reversal where I'm going to be interviewing you, and I can't wait to hear about all of your good. career. And obviously, I've heard you know bits and pieces from uh, from the podcast because you love dropping your little bits in there as well, which are always great to hear. Um, but yeah, I want to go like right back, and we'll kind of work our way forward. And I love stories. So if you think of something, just fucking gotcha. go for it. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you growing up and your family and, um, yeah, what it was like for you growing up in Geelong. I was a Geelong Geelong boy. Um, so basically coming over here to West Coast, if I fast forward a little bit, like people in, in you know, Western Australia hate Geelong. Yeah. Right? And Geelong people hate West Coast people because when I was growing up, um, 89 Geelong lost the grand final to Hawthorne. Um, uh, 92, well, yeah, 91 West Coast lost one. 92, Geelong lost to West Coast. 94, yeah. Geelong lost to West Coast. 95, Geelong lost to Carlton. A lot going on there. Yeah, yeah. So every one of those years, we dress up our house in streamers and banners. <laughs> like, I'm a massive Geelong nuffy. Like, as a junior, I'd sit three rows back from the opposition bench down at Cadinia Park. Yes. Had those seats for the entire time I was there. Awesome. Love my footy. But when I was driving by West Coast, like, everyone was flat to the point um, – my mum, who, um, uh, God bless her soul, she says she's never watched a West Coast, sorry, she's never watched a Geelong Grand Final as a fan. Yeah. So, lost all those Grand Finals. I hadn't won a Grand Final since 1956. Yeah, it's a long time. 2006, I get drafted to West Coast. 2007, Geelong beat Port Adelaide in their first Premiership win since 1954. Yeah. But mum had converted to West Coast oh, no. fandom. Yes. And she's still a West Coast fan. Oh, that's so good of her. So um, she hasn't seen a Geelong Premiership. Wow, wow, wow. But at least she, she got one with you, so that's all right. There was one, so, so that's okay. That Honestly, she hung in like, Premiership, great. I, you know, life moment for me. And, you know, um, did everything to, you know, tell me that my, my, my time as a footballer was actually validated. Yeah. But the real reason was... Mum got a premiership. Totally. I love that. <laughs> Did it for mum. That is that good. Holy shit. Um, and um, growing up, were you into any other sports as well? You're, you had yep. like an athletics background? Yep. Were you I, was, about before? I was a runner. So um, What distance? Once again, I'll tell a mum's story. I was an 800 runner. So yeah. Peter Bowl areas. Great, great. So Peter Bowl's my idol. So yeah. you show me before your video with Peter Bowl. Pretty cool. Fucking jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be honest. So we had him on the, we had him on the podcast, but we didn't get him in, in. I think he was hanging around here somewhere. He was, yeah. He was mum's, actually, mum's house. His, his mum's in uh Thornley, yeah, so Correct. which is like the next suburb over that way. Um, you, you never, if you're in Cannibal, you don't venture to Thornley. Right. So that was like me taking a risk going well, down that Well, Southern way. River Band, they tell me that they're the greatest thing to come out of Thornley, but I don't know if they've Peter clarified where Peter Bowles are. <laughs> Mitch Wisniewski is from Thornley, when, I believe. When, when, when we did that running around uh, the Oval with him, uh, as we're going around, because there's a school right there, Man, he's fucking famous there. There's kids walking. There's like a congregation of absolute. all these kids going, hey, Peter Bowl. Peter so. Bowl. So for me, I was an 800 runner growing up. Like, and seeing Peter Bowl the last you know, couple of Olympics, especially the last one, you know, do so well. has been incredible. Um, I, I had a choice as like a 15-year-old whether to go to Europe and compete um, as an athlete, as an 800 runner, and yep. do the European circuit. I was wow. good. I was top two. I was 
medalist at nationals. I was a, wow. I was a good runner. Uh, or I had the opportunity to try out for the Geelong Falcons, so the Mick Turner Footy Factory in Geelong. Yeah, um, so many players from there. A lot of players come out of there, right? So it's got a, a great history, and it's because Geelong's such a huge area. They have a big pool of kids to pull from. Yeah, most definitely. So every year before the season starts, they invite all the kids from the region down to the Geelong Falcons. And this one year, so 2004, uh, I didn't get an invite. And all my mates, anyone who could literally, if you could look at a footy and, and look like you could play, you got an invite. There was thousands of kids down there. I just didn't, just didn't get an invite. So someone calls Mick Turner, who ran the Geelong Falcons at the time, and said, why isn't Will Schofield down at training? And, um, and he said, mate, I have no idea who Will Schofield is. I've never heard How him. How dare him. Yeah. And Mick Turner goes, um, bad luck, hung up. Next day, are you going to invite Will Schofield down? No, hang up. Went on for a week. Every day, this person badgering Mick Turner. Bang, bang, bang. Finally, Mick Turner goes, right up, just get him down here. Just get, look, give him I've some had boots. Enough of these. I've had enough of these phone calls. I've seen him. He's a runner. Like, who cares? <laughs> just get him down here. Got him down here. As the story goes, I get down there. I make the squad of 100. I make the team of 24. I make the state team that year. I get drafted the next year. Wow. I play 14 years in the AFL. I win a premiership. The person ringing Mick Turner... My mother. Oh, yes, mum. Yes. So my entire AFL career was due because to my of your mum. mum that it, on the hustle for you. And at the same time, I was like, I was, yeah, genuinely trying to decide whether to go to Europe and compete or get an invite down to the like most basic of Geelong Falcons training. I think she thought there was obviously a better pathway that mum's way. Always, no, mate. I'm a mummy's boy. Don't Persistence about that. beats resistance. Correct. I love that. Very yeah, good. yeah. Just double down and keep going. That's yes. unbelievable. And grew up a, a Geelong supporter, like you said. Um, did you have any interactions with any of like the Geelong clubs sort of growing up, I guess, being yep. in that um, area and, and region and playing for uh, Geelong? I don't know. So you're a little bit younger than me. You might not know these names, but two guys. I remember the two, first two AFL players that ever came to our school, Ronnie yeah. Burns, who was yeah. number eight for Geelong, and Clint Bizzle. He used to take hangers for a living. He's like Jeremy Howe these days. Like yeah. Just genuinely just yeah. would just take hangers for, for fun. And these two guys came down and they played kick to kick. And I still remember to this day like them coming down so then when I got to the stage where I was an AFL player and we go out to schools, I really um, made an effort. Like, I, you know, some guys, and you know, whether it's a good thing or not, like some guys just say, oh, no, another school visit. Got to go hang out with the kids. And everyone enjoys it, but, like, some guys specifically go out of their way. And I used to try to go out of my way to... I don't know, introduce myself to just like a little quiet kid in the corner. Because you're a fucking superhero when you go and talk to Correct. the kids that age. And I knew that yeah. because I'd been that kid. Yeah. And I still remember, like Ronnie Burns, like he was a good player, but he wasn't like this superstar. But I still remember the day Ronnie Burns yeah. came to my school. He kicked he kicked me barefoot. I remember him taking his shoes off and kicking bare feet. And I was like, oh it's the best God. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. So that was me and Geelong, mate. Like, it was a pretty, Geelong at the time, it's, it's got a lot bigger over the, over the years, but it was a really small town and it was... Grovedale was where I grew up. Um, similar to Canningville, I've got yeah. to be honest. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. suburbia. Had, sticks. had a great mum and dad used to take me to all sport, like whether it be athletics or surf lifesaving or cricket or tennis or whatever I wanted to do. Like they went out of their way to make sure I got you know, the best opportunity possible. So and as then, you can hear, I owe a lot to my parents. Yeah, absolutely. And then up until the age of 15, did you actually play much football or that was kind of like a, at that point when that opportunity came up, that's when you started oh, playing a little I bit I used more? to like playing footy, but I was never that like good. I was never yeah. like the best and fairest winner with kids. I, I used to be, used to like, get coaches' awards. The first ever game I ever played of footy, my coach made me tag someone. He thought, you know, he doesn't really know how to play, just get him out there and run him around. Say, follow number four. Yeah. Right? Follow him everywhere. It was St. Joey's Red versus St. Joey's Blue, and St. Joey's Blue had this gun player. His name was Sean. It was like, just follow Sean everywhere. Don't let him get a touch. And I, I maintain this. He did not have a touch that day. I just ran everywhere <laughs> with him. His name was Sean Higgins. Yeah. He played uh, Unreal. over 250 games for Holy Geelong. Shit. Kangaroos and Western Bulldogs. Really? That was under under eights, I reckon. Under sevens, even. Wow. And I tagged him. That's unreal. <laughs> Imagine how flat you'd be rocking up to under sevens. I was kicking, getting tagged. And you got the, the can of Coke in the Mars bar after that. <laughs> yeah. going, well done, Scott. <laughs> you got the $5 Maccas voucher. Yeah, it's bloody good. And then you mentioned that it went pretty quickly from you playing Geelong Falcons into you getting drafted. That happened quite fast. Yep. Tell me about that experience and was there any interest from any other clubs at the time? Um, and yeah, how was the draft experience for you? Yeah, pretty much with the draft. Um, look, you, you throw yourself into the draft pool and you can go anywhere. And, and I was certainly not the kid that was going to go top 10, top 20. I was never touted as that. I was still an athlete who just happened to be you know, playing footy. Yeah. I was always very competitive. So 
you know, the thing that I had as a strength through my career was my competitive element. You know, I, I didn't like to lose. Yeah. And I think that's – people ask, like, what makes, you know, great players or elite players or maybe something they have in common. A lot, there's a lot of talented guys, a lot of guys that have got great work ethic, a lot of, you know, fitness or they're strong or whatever. The most common trait I, I found was the competitive element. And totally. the guys that could make it just hated losing. And yeah. I was, like, right up there. Like, anything I've, I do – now I'm in media and I hate like losing. I want to be better than everyone, and I want to. So I was like that with footy. So getting drafted, look, I was I was picked fifty in the draft. I remember my best mate coming around. Just one mate came around, and, and I remember asking before the draft, "Do you think I'm going to get picked up?" He was like, "No, nah, you're not getting picked up. No chance." <laughs> um, anyway, I got picked picked up, pick fifty, um, and. When uh, when we won the flag, I, I got him assigned West Coast yes. jumper, and on the back of it, no one can see it other than him. Said, "Remember, remember when you told me I wasn't getting drafted? Oh, How's yeah. this hanging on your wall, motherfucker? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. It was worth it. Correct. All that fucking hard Correct. work was all worth Correct. just putting that up on his wall. Correct. That's elite. And was there any other clubs that were keen as well? At the time? Yeah, Port Adelaide was. Um, Port Adelaide had. Uh, they must have had the pick before before me, and they were they were really keen. Mark Chocker Williams was the coach then at the time, and he was a lunatic. Like I remember mm. him at draft camp. He pulled me into a room on like." At like 9 p.m. at night, it's like, come, come do this. <laughs> Went into this room. The whole coaching staff was sitting around. He was like behind. And only light in the room was a laptop. And he was like, watch this clip. Tell me what happens. No introduction. Just like, just like sit down. Tell me what's going on. He showed me a kick in. And it was a guy kicking the footy in. Um, and it was, he paused it right as he was about to kick it. And he said, what, where, where should he kick it? What should he do? And I first said, oh, I'd kick it long to the ruckman down the line. He said, nah. I'll kick it short to this guy. Nah. Kick it down the middle. Nah. I went through about six options. And then he goes, Scoey, there's no one on the mark, mate. He needs to play on and take the game on. And I was like, damn it. Idiot. I'm not getting drafted Idiot. by Port Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They picked up, um, I'm pretty sure they picked up either Justin Westhoff or Robbie Gray. Both great players for Port Adelaide. Can't be mad. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. And, I went, <laughs> and I went to West Coast the very next pick. Fantastic. Which was 2006, right? Yeah, well, that, well they've just come off their premiership. Yep. Yeah, yeah fair so what, was that, what was that like when you're walking into that situation? Not only had they come off the premiership, they just had a decent footy trip in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit of coverage in the media. Totally. Um, look, people externally sort of think, oh, what, you know, what was it like walking into a footy club then? I, I, I have nothing big. You know, great memories. I come into an environment where they're the best in the AFL. Um, their training standards are the like top level. Yes, there was culture issues like that's been well covered, and I was in the middle of that. Like I, we had we won a wooden spoon three years later mm. because we spent every minute of every day trying to change the culture at the footy club. So you can't deny it. But for me as a young kid coming into that environment, you know, you didn't know that, any better, really. Yeah. No, and like. And, you know, when we are in the footy club, it was footy. It was training. It was being the best. Like, they were the best. Like, and they were that you can't, the best for a you reason. You can't win a premiership by accident. No. Nah. Right? And, the, you know, the guys were great educators. I played with some of the greats of the game of all time. Mm. You know, ben Cousins, Chris Judd, Dean Cox. Like, those three right there. Brownlow Meadows and Dean Cox the best ruckman to ever played the game. So, Darren Glass, Bo Waters. Like, these guys are, are guys that you're able to learn off. And, you know, it, it was hard to get a game. Like, I played my first year, but it was hard. It wasn't rocking up to a team that's on the bottom of the ladder and you get gifted games. Like, I was, from the second I was at that club, forced for, to that fight. One. Yeah. yeah. And I fought my whole career, but it, it was, I don't know, that's how it is. It's good. And then when you're walking into, like you said, that situation, all those big names, was yeah. there anyone that you were going, I'm impressing this guy, first session? What was, like, the first training session like for you? I remember, um, I remember it might not have been the first, but I remember... Uh, there's a guy called Daniel Chick, who you know, yeah. people remember Hard him. man. Yeah. Hard, like, <laughs> and when you say hard, he might have looked hard. I can tell you right now, that brick wall over there would have been softer than Daniel Chick's body. He was <laughs> he was a, an absolute brick shit house. And there was this drill. It was like a handball draw drill, you know, 3v2. And you just have to draw and get the loose player out. It's, it's like basic 101 footy. Juniors do it. AFL teams do it as well. It's a decision-making as well as a skill drill. And he was a defender, one of the two, and I had the ball and I was in the middle. So I just had to run at the defender, handball it off, and body contact comes. He, he ran at me. I drew him. I handballed, hit my handball, and he pretty much stopped. He pulled up. He didn't run through me. 
And it was like, I just remember the feeling of running into just like a brick wall. It felt like a brick wall. All the air went out of me. I lay on the ground. He stood over me. have been a bit taller than him as well. I was well. way bigger than yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And he looked at me and he laughed and he was like, mate, I hit you with 10% then up you get. And I couldn't move. I was just like an absolute mess. Yeah, it was like sucking him in. Mate, Daniel Chick, um, you'll appreciate this with the, with the gym and stuff you got set up. He used to do squats and he used to bounce his ass off his calves. Wow. So he used to, and he'd be doing like, 250 kilos, and he'd be like, oh, watch this, <laughs> get up, bang, snap it over, like, oh, bang, whack, and just like snap his ass off his calves and bounce three in a row, thing down, walk out. All right, I'm done, boys. I'm a power athlete. See you later. Oh, God. Well, you can't you can't argue Animal. with that either. You can't. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I was 71 kilos ringing wet. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. That's amazing. And when did you start getting your first couple of games with West Coast? When that kind of... And were you always defender or no? Um, yeah, pretty much was. Like, junior footy, I played a bit as a forward, but yeah. I played my best footy as a defender. So I came into the side late in 2007. Uh, played my first game in round 17 against the Bulldogs. We won by 100. Points. Oh, what a great I, game! I, well, I, not so much of you in the back line. I sat, on the, I sat on the bench. I sat on the. It was back on the day that it's not like rotations now. I sat on the bench until about ten minutes ago in the second quarter. Yeah, and just let me on the bench. Like, yeah, didn't bring me on. Came on. I don't know. Had three touches. Um, one by a hundred. Got got fucking chaired off by Juddy or something. Beautiful Gatorade shower at the end. And yeah, like great memories though. Like you still, I still remember my first game and like the feeling, um, like it was just fast. Like how how fast it was. I remember it was at Telstra Dome or um, Eddie had or Marvel, sorry. And I remember running out on the ground, being out on the ground for a bit and then forgetting where the bench was. It was so disorientating. But having used to playing school footy and you've got to... You know, you know where it is. You can see the box over there. You can, you're on an iron bar running around the ground <laughs> if you're lucky. And, you know, you go into this like Coliseum, this stadium and it, yeah, first time in there, like... You don't know what's going Feel on. Feel lost, totally. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it all turned out well in the end, but that was that was my first game. And coach at the time was Wusha? Wusha, yeah, yep. John Worsfold. What was your relationship like with him and was there any sort of little nuggets of feedback or maybe sprays even that sort of came throughout your time maybe in the early years? Yeah, it's funny, like, looking back on my time with Wusha, I realised how good of a coach he was. Yeah. But I think at the time, because he's your boss, right, you, no, one lo- no one loves their boss. Like, yep. And if you do, they're probably not... Uh, you know, I don't know, they're probably not taking you to where you need to be. Like, the relationship between boss and employees should be a good one and connected, but, like, you shouldn't love them. Like, they're meant to make you better. They need to tell you when you're not doing well. And, they, you know, and so Wusha was a direct feedback guy. And, you know, at the time when you're in there as a young guy, like, it's, it's difficult. And so his strengths was um, almost inspiring, motivating you to do stuff without even having to telling you just the other way like the way he held himself his presence yeah I, he was just like yeah his presence as a footballer and then as a coach and like you just you just knew what the expectations were and the way he held himself was you know it was unquestionable and so you just knew that's what you had to live up to otherwise it, just, it wouldn't last so like that was his strengths um and as a player i think like probably at stages it would be difficult to have conversations with him like real ones you're just sort of almost scared. On yeah, talk, well, it's, there's a power dynamic yeah, there. But like, <laughs> on, like, looking back at it, it's like, that's how he had to be. And that's, how, that's why he was a premiership coach. Yep. That's why, you know, we, we, we win a wooden spoon in 2010 and the very next year we go back and win a pre, like, play in a prelim. Like, you don't do that if you're not a good coach. And he was a great coach. And I think he's got better in my mind uh, post-career, yep. which, um, which is an interesting one. But, like, sprays, look, mate, I used to... Look, I was, this is fact as well, I was the most <laughs> dropped player in West Coast history. Uh, is that an actual fact, fact in a book? Yeah, yep. so I think like, I think in terms of the amount of times I was dropped. Um, now, how I ma- take, how I wear many that, was it? I wear a lot. <laughs> and I wear it with a bit of ba- you know, badge of honour sort of thing because it wasn't like I played 10 games and I got dropped 10. I, I played almost 200 games. You were fighting every so time. I'd get back in there. Like, <laughs> I get back in the ring, mate. So I get knocked out. Yeah, mate. correct. Wusha, I'm trying to think. There was one like there wasn't a spray. Wusha, um there was one year where we we had beards, um, and I've got a beard now, and I, you know, like I just have a beard. I, so I don't do it for any reason other than I just have a beard. Like I don't know. It's that's like, just you how have it grows. Yeah, that's just how it is. I don't know. Like I could shave it off, but I don't want to because yep. this is what I like. Don't need to explain it to me. Correct. Yeah, I get it. But there was me, Chris Marston, Josh Kennedy, all had beards, and apparently 
so the story goes at a bit of a higher up meeting, Wisher was questioning why are these why are these guys got beards? What are they? Are they they drug dealers? Are they <laughs> pirates? Bush rangers? Blah blah blah. And Wusher, to his credit, was like, no, they just. Well, I don't know. I don't have a beard because I don't want a beard. They want a beard. They want a beard. And, and, and he was getting pressed by people above him. Anyway, he said, just hang on a sec. So he walked out of the room, got his laptop, Googled a couple of names and came back. And he started, he flipped it around and he had um, uh, the flying doormat, which is the carbon um, player that I'm thinking it of. It starts with D. Deuce, Bruce Dool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Bruce it. Bruce yeah. yeah. Beard. Yeah. Like, What's the problem? Um, Tuck from Richmond. Beard. Yep. Played the most games in the history of the AFL. Yep. Beard. And he just started showing these beards. And he said, you know, like, have you got a problem with these beards or have you just got a problem with these beards? Like, what's what's the go here? And it was sort of his way of having our backs. And I think there was probably more of that behind closed doors than we ever saw. Yep. But like, that's the sort of person he was. Like, yeah, he was great. hard. He was motivating. But he, like, he would go into bat with you, for you, no matter what. So being the most dropped and then back into the side player mm. in West Coast history... What was that like, being so inconsistently sort of in the side? And what were you having to do, especially, I guess, early on? I guess later on you kind of, you know, uh, worked on your craft a little bit more. Yeah. And I guess maybe you knew your role in the team a little bit more. But early on, I imagine that would have been pretty rattling to yeah. go up and down, up and down, up and down. What did you do in that time? Um, and what did you work on to get better and get back a little bit more consistently in the team like you did in the latter part of your yeah, career? Yeah, I mean, even the latter part of my career, I was, I was in now a lot. Look... Like there's two things. There's what. There's one. It's on. It's not on coaches or anyone else other than yourself. So like I'm very much a self motivated person. So I've always been realistic. I've always taken ownership of when I haven't played well enough. And and like at stages in my career, I wasn't consistent enough. Whether that be because I didn't uphold consistent enough training, um, was it because I, you know, liked getting a pat on the back and I thought I was going too well, and then I got lazy. You know, whatever it was, like I was inconsistent at stages in my career. So you got to put your hand up first. Um, but that self-motivating factor as well works in you know, a very advantageous way as well. That when I used to get dropped, I used to try and seek direct feedback immediately, get real clarity. Why have I been dropped? I didn't fuck around. Like I, I was very much, a, if I was dropped, I'd be straight in the coach's office going, tell me why. Yep. Um, tell me why. <laughs> Sorry, I spent a Backstreet Boys last week. It was very I did concept. see that. Front um, row, eh? Yeah. yeah, I got kicked out, actually. <laughs> um, actually yeah. uh, and look, I, I, once I had that clarity, you can at least go and work on it. And then you actually have something to go back to them and go, right, okay, I'm, um, you know, I was, I was being too lazy on hit up leads, right? I was getting hit up on too often. Go back to the waffle. Don't let your man get a hit-up mark one week and you go, just say that, yep, not back in the team yet, no worries. Go back the next week, do it again, say that, yep. By the third week, you do it three weeks in a row and you're like, look, I've taken what you've said on board, I've changed what you need, get me back in the team. And they don't, you know, if you have that clarity and they've been clear to you, they don't have anywhere to go other than put back in the team. Yeah, definitely. And then it's back on you. Like, then you need to be consistent and then if you fall out of consistency, then you can be out of the team. Like, being realistic about it and being honest and not sucking and not blaming other people. Like I was very, I was my, I was my own harshest critic. Yeah. You know? So all, all those things go hand in hand. It was, it was difficult. And like, that's probably by the end of the career, just like that fight, I started to lose a bit of it. Yep. It was, it was brutal. Like you had to, totally. Yeah. And that's probably in the end that over physical. Like, could I have got myself up for another year or two? Probably. Like I probably could have, um, but mentally, I, I couldn't have. I don't sit here and go, "Gee, I could have, I could have played a couple more years." Yeah. I was done, done and dusted. And it was on the back of that fight, like every week, you know, having to prove yourself. You yeah. get to, th- I was thirty-two or thirty-one when I retired, and it's like thirty-one years old, played two hundred games. I'm happy with that. Premiership, got the medal. Oh, less I'm happy with that, but like, I don't know, I don't know how much I can keep doing this yeah. for. I yeah. don't know how much I can keep knocking the door and going, "Hey, what do you want from me?" Yeah. Like. I was a team player. I was a role player. Like that, they are facts as well. And you know, sometimes I was dropped. Sometimes I was in the team. I'm all good with that. Yeah, I'm content with my career. Hey, legends! Just a reminder, just from the start of the show, that I've got my next 12 week challenge starting on March 20th. If you're interested in signing on up or hearing a little bit more about it, just head on over to www.bodymagic.fit. You can sign up there. All the info's there as well. If you want to know anything more about it, feel free to give me a message on uh, any of the social media platforms that uh, you may follow me on, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, really looking forward to achieving massive things this March with everyone. And yeah, head to my website side if you're keen to sign on up anyway back to the episode here we go make sure you go on uh, check it out and sign on up for the challenge now 
when you were going out in the ground, was there anyone that you ever got like starstruck upon that you were playing on? Or? Um, so I imagine I'd, there would be. I'd be doing it. Like. I remember like Matty Lloyd back in the day, like one of my first, like second or third season, I played on Matty Lloyd, and he he was the first guy that I was like, this guy's a man. I'm a child. Yeah, he's a man. <laughs> He's, he's have his jumper tucked in, his socks up. You know, he throw he throw the grass up in the air. Doing the whole and I thing. played on him, and he like there was this one piece of play again. Like you just have these little. I don't have a great memory of like oh what happened in two thousand and nine round five. I couldn't tell you, but I have these snippets and like he got the ball, he picked it up. I was on him, I was right up his ass, and he just turned around and just don't argue, straight my chest, and again like Daniel Chick just fell to the ground. Like <laughs> maybe there's been a paper bag in the wind, just flew off, swung around, and he's left like dobbed it from fifty five and just. Even the sound of his voice, like, and I remember, like, Jonathan Brown, he was a man, and he used to intimidate with his voice. He would voice. be that scary to play on. He used to speak like this, like, still, you're coming down here, mate. You know, play on me? Like, no, Mr. Brown, no. So, like, those sorts of guys. Barry Hall, did you play I, on him? Um, yeah, played bat Baz. I think he'd like softened a bit. He'd yeah. like king hit Brent Staker a few years before. And I think he was sort of going, I better not. Down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, I was never as funny. I, not that I'm a celebrity in, in any way, but because I've been around people that are in the public eye a lot, I, I don't think I get too starstruck. I wouldn't say that, but like people impress me and yep. like their, their work rate. Like Matty Prudis, like hardest work I've ever seen. Um, you know, he wasn't, a, he wasn't the most talented guy in the room ever. Like, you look at Chris Judd and Matt Prudis, you can see who's more talented, mm. right? But, like, Matt Prudis was – his work rate was, like, uncompromising. Um, you know, being around, like, guys like that would be, like, what I'd say about being starstruck. Like, it was on their work ethic and, like, being around them. Yep. That sort of stuff. And any players that had any massive bags or anything on you? Any – any on, on the, um, I guess – being impressed side of stuff mm. where you sit there going, fuck me, I've got I've got the front row seat to this guy absolutely tearing. Yeah, <laughs> like well, I used to sit um, in the uh, auditorium next to Daniel Kerr. Yeah. And so Curry used to have this amazing ability to, well, appear to not be listening. He'd be scratching the floor with his feet. He'd be, I don't know, he'd be have his phone. He'd be doing this. He'd water bottle. He'd running in and out to the toilet. He'd always be pissing. Like, he just was this fidgety... Stuff going on all yeah. the time, yeah. And, yeah. and That anyway, brain was ticking. Yeah, and he'd be whispering in your ear and he'd be talking and this and that. And Wusher would go, Curry, uh, what do we do here? And he'd literally, within one second, not, no attention, look at the board. All right, we want to have the half forward go here. We want to, you know, send a guy, push forward. We're going to be tapping to here and do this, this and this. And, like, without fail, I never saw him out of his depth. <laughs> he was right every time. <laughs> The smartest, smartest footy brain out there. Wow. Just, you know, application poor. Yes, 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 yeah. Focus for it. Needed yeah. to be a little bit more sharp. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and teammates that you learnt stuff off or uh, maybe helped you throughout your career, was there any that were really influential oh, for you? Lots. Yeah, so many. Um, probably, probably ones you wouldn't expect. Like Sam Butler was a real influence on my career. So he was a 2006 Premiership player, the youngest player in that side. He was, you know, 21 when I got to the footy club. So he was sort of that... That junior leader, he was mm. sort of that, you know, when you get to the footy club, the captain and the leadership group, they're too far removed. Yep. Like, I was 17 and these guys are 32, 33, 34 years old. So you look to that tier below and yep. that's why, like, in footy clubs, it's that that's the really important part is the it's the mid-level leaders. Yep. It's not necessarily... Like, the captain and leadership group, they're always going to be good players and good leaders. Mm. Like, I've never once played under someone who, at, at that level that's not a good leader. So that's not what differentiates teams because every every list on the AFL right now would have a great captain and a great leadership group. I, I honestly believe that. The mid-tier leaders, the guys that aren't in the leadership group but aren't rookies, they're in the middle that know uh, they can speak up to their senior leaders, they can speak down to their young leaders, yep. their young guys, they integrate. Like, they're the guys. So, like, Sam Butler was one of those. He used to he run the footy trip every year around fines. Um, just closing the gap, like you said, between yeah. the between the top and the and yeah, the, like they were, just starting out. They were real, like he was real, like Lewis Jetta. Um, you know, he had one of the most iconic pieces of leadership I've ever seen on a football field in the 2018 Grand Final. Liam Ryan, young Indigenous kid, um, in the third quarter, goes back with the flight, ducks, balks out of the contest. There wouldn't be many guys in the AFL running around that haven't flinched at a contest. Like it's hard out there mm. but Liam Ryan's done that in the biggest game of his life and it was bad and 
I'd say 90% of guys just go into their shell after that and you don't see them for the rest of the game. Three-quarter time, Lewis Jetta grabs him in a big hug because he was a backman at the time, Jets, and Liam forward, so I had to wait till three-quarter time. Big hug. And I was spoken to Jets about this. You know, what did you say to him? He said, just just remember how good I are. Yeah, don't, don't worry about that. You're going to get another opportunity to show how good you are. And, and genuinely, five minutes into that next quarter, into the last quarter of a grand final, Liam Ryan's first time he's ever played at the MCG, he had the exact moment. Like, he genuinely... It was like it was written in a book. Like he had the moment, eyes with the footy, coming back. Most guys would have looked again. Lamb, eyes on the footy, took the mark, had his moment. And because of Lewis Jetta just saying, hey, mate, it's all good. Like, don't, don't drop your Set bundle there. before that, yeah. He took the mark, went back and hit the post, mind you. Had a lot of posts. <laughs> the but, like, he had four shots on goal in the last quarter in the grand final. And that was because of Lewis Jetta. Like, yep. without Lewis Jetta, we don't win the grand final. Yeah. And you were part of some real successful teams. So 2015, you guys made it into a yep. uh, grand final. Um, what was that like, being your first finals experience like that? Uh, and um, how did you guys take the loss and then regroup? And then what did you work on to, to then obviously set yourself up for success later on in 2018? The experience initially was amazing, incredible. Like, you lived your whole life. Mm. Me as a Geelong fan in you know, the yeah. 90s, you know, watching these guys playing grand finals. Like, that's what you want to do. And you make it and... You know, you want everyone to be there. Like, I'm a Victorian, but I have a lot of family here in Western Australia, so I was buying people flights and buying their tickets. Yeah, lots going on. Mate, yeah. I, would have had, I would have had 30 people there that I reckon I personally bought tickets. No, the tickets are $500 each. Mm-mm. Big expense. And I'm yeah. buying accommodation and flights and handling all the logistics. Yeah. And it was like, oh, shit, it's grand final day. And, fuck, like, I'm playing a grand final. It, it, I hadn't prepared like I should have. And I think a lot of people in the same basket. So we got out there to play, and I have this memory of – feeling like I had sandbags on my feet. Like, I, fe- I physically felt just like I was Just the adrenaline just goes. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, I was physically ready to play that game. We had a great preparation. It was mentally, I was cooked, which then translated physically. Like, mm. I, I could not run. Mm. And most of our guys were like that, and we got pants by this experience, like, side of men as mm. well, but in Hawthorne. Well, they've been there, done that, that many yeah. times. and, you know, the saying goes, you get to lose one to win one. Um do I agree with that? Probably not. But losing one teaches you things. So when you get an, if you if you get another opportunity, you put a lot into practice. So you know that's what I learned out of that. How did I feel? It was awful. What, one of the worst days of my life. Mm. And I don't think about it very often because you have all this expectation, all this hope, all, you know, all these people, everyone you love. It's like everyone you've ever known. You know, I can't wait to see you, and then you embarrass yourself. It's, it feels embarrassing. Mm-mm-mm. Like cried after that game. Your family's in the rooms. Horrible feeling. Mm. Terrible. Um, so I wiped that basically. Um, Sixteen, we didn't we didn't recoup very well. Sixteen, seventeen, we were nearabouts, and but but nowhere near what we should have been. Um, to the point where we got to eighteen, we had a great you know back end of the year, and and we got our opportunity again. And I used what I learned in that loss. So I didn't buy it. No one got a ticket from me. When I get a ticket, speak to my <laughs> wife. I, like anyone ever text me, like I either didn't get a reply. To the point where I turned my phone off on the Thursday. I didn't turn it back on until after the grand final. Wow, you're joking. Yeah, so like Just I... Just unplugged off the yeah. grid. Yeah. Well, mate, like because you, you, need le- to. you learn that, okay, you make a grand final, awesome. Means fuck all if you don't win it. Mm. It's just another game. It's worse than another game if you lose it. Mm. Um, and you can say what you like about, oh, you know, playing a grand final, great experience. And you know, a lot of guys do say that. But I can tell you right now, having sit here and done the loss and done the win... The loss is irrelevant, and yeah, it's not a good experience. Winning's way more it's fun. It's not. Correct. <laughs> so anyone I ever speak to, like, I've got a lot of guys still playing, a lot of mates. Um, spoke to a few guys playing for Sydney last year. And any advice, mate? I was like, honestly, mate, you need to prepare to win that game. Like, like don't – I know it's been a great experience. The grand final parade, it's awesome. And all the hype, the training session before, you got everyone, you know, contacting you. It's all great. If you don't win, it's not a good memory. No. It's not a good experience. And – I don't care what you say. You know, people who maybe just played and lost in one will say it's a great experience. It's not. It's, it's not because when you win, that's a, you know, that's, that's a fucking good yeah, so experience. So having won it, it's like just just do everything you can to win. It sounds like silly advice, like win the grand final. Yeah, no, it's very true. I get it. I, I get that completely. I yeah. wanted to win 2015 as well, yeah. but I didn't, prepare to, I didn't prepare like I should have. Yeah. I prepared 2018 like it was like my last day on earth. Like I would have done anything to win that game. Yeah. And like that's the mentality you need. And if you don't have it, what happened to Sydney happens. Yeah, you just you just see Geelong, who have had so much close but no cigars the last ten years. They just wanted it. Yep. They just wanted it, and they went bang. And Sydney had no 
they could have done nothing because they were just weren't they weren't there mentally. That nothing to do with talent. That game, yeah, that was want and, and preparation. Twenty eighteen, run me through that game. So let's get off the loss. Let's get on to the onto the day. Mm. How was your performance? How did you oh, rate it? I'll what was what. the tell? Tell me. I want. I'll I want give it you all. some good like proper insight. But yeah, I can tell you right now, <laughs> that game doesn't get one without Will Schofield. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, look, this has a bit of mail on it, this story, but... Um, Layer it up. Like, 2018, it was probably the hardest year of my life. So, I um, uh, being dropped every, every week, right? Um, most dropped player in AFL history. I played four round ones in my mm-hmm. whole career. 14 years, I was selected four times round one. Yep. Which is a pretty good stat, I think. Mm. To play 200 games after... Yeah, everyone's you know. I want to get, 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 get picked round one. It's about selection. Um, I did, got picked round one, twenty eighteen. It was one. It was the first game here at Optus Stadium. We played Sydney. Buddy Franklin kicked eight goals and we lost our first game. We would spent the entire preseason wanting to win that game. I didn't get started on Buddy. He kicked four and then I was moved on to him. And he kicked the last four on me over three quarters. He kicked four in the first. Yeah. I got moved out onto him. Kicked four in the next three. Oh, so you've done a good job. And man. I was dropped. And I was fucking livid about it. And I got dropped, and I was in the Monday meeting, and I got a call, and um, one of my best mates um, had passed away. He'd um, been hit by a bus uh, cycling in Sydney, and it was, you know, um, horrific. And right. so I um, went from this, like, game pick round one, um, how good's this, new stadium, blah, 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 to, like, 24 hours later, one of my best mates had died, flew to, flew to Melbourne for the funeral. He had a twin. Um, it was a big couple of weeks I yeah. stayed back there and I, I really contemplated not coming back to the footy club I was um I was kind of uh yeah, things going on. yeah, yeah. I was sort of it was a bit of a perspective moment for me I was yeah. like well you know how important is footy I had some conversations got back to the footy club took me a while to get my feet again um I was in a pretty bad way mentally and I was um doing a lot of drinking um carrying on um a fair bit which look under the circumstances somewhat understandable but you know in the end taught me a lot about dealing with things mentally and um, got some focus and some real clarity of what I needed to do to get back in the side. And I got back in the side. And I started playing some real, really good footy. Um, it was off the back of my first son being born in June. Amazing. Year, and it sort of gave me a real purpose. It's like, right, this is why I exist. Yeah. Like, it was sort of floating around for a couple of months there. And I was like, right, wake the fuck up. Got back in the side, played some really good footy, played consistent footy. I was in the team for eight weeks in a row, I think. And... Um, did my hammy against Frio three weeks out from finals. Got back into the side the week before finals. Played a decent game. Um, and the qualifying final against Collingwood was... Um, I kind of thought, well, I've played eight in a row. Back in the side, play a good game, stay in the team. Got a phone call from Simo on the... Um, it was on the Friday. We'd done captain's run and um, sort of selection had sort of been done. And it was a weird... You don't really get calls on a Friday Arvo. You either plan or you're not, and yep. you know by that stage. But I, I didn't know. Call from Simon. I thought he was calling me about the matchup for the ne- next day with Dugowie or you know Taylor. I don't know whoever was down there. And he basically started the phone call like, "Hey, mate, I got some bad news. We're not playing you tomorrow." And I was, um, I was in a really bad way when my, my mate passed away. Mm. I was in a worse way um, when Simo dropped me. Um, which you know, looking back and talking about it now, like it makes no sense. You know, um, you know the death of, of of family or friends, and compared to footy, I'm sure that was probably a motivating factor for you. Yeah. So it was probably like you've you've used you've channeled that a yeah. little bit into that, and then then when that's also maybe not quite gone the way that you thought, then that yeah. And then as a as a um, you know as a person, my mm. whole life had been around footy. Like my my validation of like everything I'd ever done was about football, and I knew that year, I just knew that we were gonna do something special, like, or at least have the opportunity to. And it felt like um, my whole, like, life's worth had been, like, I wasn't going to get the opportunity to validate myself. Yep. Right, now, sitting here right now, look, if I don't play in that grand final, I'll be fine. Still the same person. But right at that moment, it was like... That was everything. Freaks. Yep. And I was in a bad way again. Um, stuck in bed. Had to, had to... I was first emergency, and I had to be at the ground on the Saturday Arbor, and I couldn't get out of bed. I was fried mentally, cooked. Yep. And eventually, again, son, bit of the memory of my mate, thought the only way I get back in this team is rocking up and being there for my mates. And so I rocked up, um, got out of bed. I remember walking out, forgot my footy boots, had to go back, get my footy boots, came out, put a big smile on my face and meet her from the door and was like, I'm just going to be a positive person here. 
get around all the boys, get up, get them up and about, go upstairs and just sit and watch this miserably. Watch the game. Within the first 10 minutes, Brad Shepard did his hammy, tore off the bone, and I was his direct replacement. Like, I, yep. there was no one else that could have come in other than me. And it was yep. sort of like, if I hadn't have got myself out of bed and put on a smile, to that, to that I wouldn't, point. Have, I wouldn't, mm. have, wouldn't have been able to do that. So it takes me to sort of 2018. So we've had this roller coaster year, right? So yeah. Down, up with my son, playing good footy, down, dropped. Um, Simo rang me that night of that game and said, You're playing next week. Like, don't, don't even, oh, no, you're playing in the prelim, mate. Like, I don't have to worry about selection. You're back in. So that sort of eased me. We smashed Melbourne. 2018 came around, uh, the grand final. Um, I, got, I got to play on Dugowie. Um That was my, my only role for mm-hmm. the day, right? I'm Jordan Goey, don't leave him. Don't have to do anything. Just stop him. He kicked three goals. I'll start with that. All on the midfield. Wasn't on the back. Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll give that. You'll yeah. learn. You've been around backman before. It's everyone else's fault. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah. my fault. It's the midfield's <laughs> fault. It's the forwards not chasing totally. up. It's the umpire's fault. It's the crowd. Oh, too much noise. Most definitely. And I've got to be honest, those three goals are some of the best goals I've ever seen. <laughs> None of them on fucking me. None. Right? So I'm in this game and I'm going to war with Jordan Goey. And that's how I looked at it personally. It was. Um, I didn't lose a contest for the day. I didn't come off a minute for the game. I, I was just out there in a fucking war. Yep. And three minutes to go, we're down. And I've been instructed, like, do not leave the goal square, do not leave Jordan Goey. So with three minutes to go, I literally have this life moment of, like, my footy flashing through my eyes, 30 years of footy. Telling you, it in was a, a movie. Yeah. And the light was like spinning around. Like Inception, right? <laughs> Falling through the bathtub. And it was like, oh, there's music. The ground was shaking. <laughs> right? I'm telling you. And we get the ball and we, and we get a mark just like at the top of the 50 of our defensive 50. And I think right there and there, I'm like, I'm going to win this grand final. I'm, I'm going to win this game like for everyone. I'm going to be the guy. So I, there's footage of this as well. This isn't Mayo. There's footage I'll of me. I'll find it too. I'm running down the middle of the MCG. I'm running. Jordan <laughs> Goey staying in the goal square. Never moved. I'm running by myself down the middle and the ball is on the wing and I'm next to the ball. And I get to the middle of the MCG. I'm standing in the center circle there is, I promise this is real, no one within 30 metres behind me, between me and the ball, no in front playing. of me, no one's yeah, around me. Yeah. And Jack Darling is going up for this mark. Now that year, Jack Darling was this, this beast contested mark guy. And I think, he's going to mark it and kick it to me. I'm going to get it, run down the ground, <laughs> bouncing, spinning, balking, running into the goal square, torp it into the stand, jump into oh, the yeah. stand. Beautiful. Every room I walk into the rest of my life, I get clapped in. Like, let's go through it, everybody. Here he is. Right? Here he is. That ball's in the air while I'm thinking this. I'm like, this is the moment. This is my fuck. This is why my whole this life is why I exist, yeah. This is my life's meaning. <laughs> That's reality coming back to it. Jack Darling gets out, marked on the wing. Yeah. I'm standing in the middle of the MCG with 100,000 people looking at me, and I think... Oh, fuck. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. The ball gets switched. They get the ball. I look back. Jordan Goey in the goal square by himself. He's no. like standing there by himself. And I'm running back. Can't run faster than the ball. No. Doesn't matter how fit you are. Should have should, should, kept what, doing those I'm 800 just, I'm meters. I'm watching the ball. It's like, it doesn't matter. I should have I should have gone to Europe. I shouldn't have yep. played footy. My many of life was not being in this game. It gets there. And out of nowhere... Probably from the pie stand because at the stage, at that stage, he's one of the fattest blokes in the AFL. Mm. Jeremy McGovern comes out of nowhere and he's lazy. And he's not because he's covering me, it's because he's walking up the ground. He wasn't trying to win it, he was lazy. Jumped in front of Dugowie. And that is the mark that, that starts the, the moment. Yep. Right? The moment. Yep. Right? Bruce McAvoy, the moment. <laughs> McGovern gets it, kicks it to Vardy. Vardy, the dumbest bloke in our, in our team. The dumbest bloke. You know Ruckman? Yeah, They're dumb. Yeah, yeah, Sean they Darcy, love him. Yeah. Good mates with him. Dumb. All of them. <laughs> Dan Cox, dumb. Man, I know he's dumb. He's got a big shin guard on his leg. He gets it. He closes his eyes. He kicks it off his shin guard, right? He kicks it to Liam Ryan, who is the, only, chaos, chaos is the only ball. person in this whole thing that actually does what he's meant to do. He takes a hanger. He gets the ball. He plays on quickly. He does what he's meant to do. So it's McGavin to Vardy to Ryan. Ryan plays on to Sheed, right? Who is Who plays on. Yeah. Right. So he's shepherded by Junior Rioli. He plays on. The umpire goes, no, 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 go back and take your kick, Dom. Don't worry, all Dom, good. Dom Sheets never kicked a goal like that in his entire life. Oh, I, I promise. He, yeah, he hasn't. I've got no doubt of that either. Right? He's never done it before. He's never done it again. <laughs> but in that moment, he does it by pure luck, right? So it's Vardy to Ryan to Sheed from the boundary, right? But none of that happens. 
Without Will fucking Schofield yeah. standing in the middle of the MCG. I know, but his moment where the tunnel's going. And the, well done. Well done, my friends. Well done. Well done. You've completely set that all up. That is awesome. Look, there's tiny bits of mayo involved in that story. Couldn't. But I would say, like, I'll show you the footage after. I've got a no doubt. Do you know why I've seen that so many yeah. times? My dad is a diehard Collingwood supporter. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, boy. when that happened, right, R. he R. went, he Sorry, went white as a sheep. Like, <laughs> I've never seen – I don't think I've ever – I've probably seen him cry or work at ring twice in my life, and that was one of them. <laughs> that was, it was not uh, Eddie Maguire and his son oh. sitting up there watching oh. – I'm not joking. Eddie Maguire, his exact expressions in a Collingwood – game is my dad's oh, I they semi look a little bit of light too <laughs> I just imagine I mean like ripping your heart out sort of stuff right oh fucking awesome that yeah. is unbelievable and then what was the after party like what was that like what were you celebrating with the team like oh mate honestly like 15 was probably bigger than 18 because 15 you're like blowing off stage yep. you're so angry with yourself and you're like you're trying to get blackout drunk basically yep. 18 was just relief like we just hung around like we we didn't really go out that much we had a big like after we had a big I was going to ask you did, was it more of a relief feeling rather oh, than yeah. a, a super happy oh, and joyful and feeling and for the year that I had mate like I, I remember after that game the moment the siren went like I've never had a feeling like it I will never have another one it was just like this talk about adrenaline like you would have had adrenaline like this feeling was like the noise and the the feeling of like like just like scream I was just screaming like yeah. and just running for like 30 seconds after that happens you're just like in a clump you're just cooked and I felt like that the whole week really like I was just so done I'd given everything possible we had a big party the night the night of like as you do but like you know nothing nothing spectacular yeah um, all the juice and all the emotion was yeah, left on the ground. Yeah, not, you know, not not left for yeah. anything for after. Like, like I always get asked about that. Like honestly, like, I've had way bigger parties, not winning the premiership. The premiership yeah. was just, and we just sort of hung around for a week, and then we went to Hong Kong. Shouldn't have done that. Like <laughs> that was ten days after the flag. We'd been drinking for ten days, and oh, I felt like I almost died there. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. been like so just much, over it. Yeah. Oh, just like yeah, we, we we didn't need a footy trip after winning the flag, but you have to plan the footy trip. Like in the middle of the year, yeah, in anticipation that maybe you might not yeah. win, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, after party done, but you know the the, the party was on the field. That I was, can imagine that that's was fucking awesome. I mm. love that story. That is so good. I reckon you've told that a few times too. No, nah, first time <laughs> body magic exclusive. <laughs> and then twenty, and then twenty twenty was your last year. Yep. Um, was that kind of like you said? You kind of got to that point. And you went fuck me. I'm still in and out and in and out. And that was just the juice done for you, or was it um, a little bit of a push from West Coast as well? Going, we're going to go elsewhere, um, or what was that? Nah, look, that, they were pretty respectful. I yeah. think probably if I didn't jump, they might they might have pushed me. But I, yeah. I, I went I went to them first um we're in the hubs that year if you remember so i had yeah. um a young young son young and, a family, pre- and a yeah. pregnant wife yeah um i was pretty vocal in the media that year you might you probably won't remember like i was i was pretty vocal about like this is a complete bullshit that we're going over here and doing this yep. um mainly because i was running two businesses at the time and i had like a pregnant wife with, with a little kid and i didn't want to leave him because yeah. i hadn't signed up for that yep. and um that's sort of what my mentality was so i probably had the wrong mentality to you know it would have been better if I was, you know, okay, well, no matter what's thrown at me, I'm just going to, you know, soldier on. But I was at the stage of my career, I didn't really feel like that. And um, Well, other know, thing, like you said, other things in your life pop up, yeah. pop up and I it was, becomes and different yeah. uh, priorities, isn't so it? So I put a fair bit of weight on. Um, before, we, we, we shut down as a league for yep. like eight weeks. And I like, I should have been in here at Body, Body Magic. Yeah. I, I, I didn't I, see you I, here. I, I, well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I saw me in the pantry eating <laughs> pastry because I was fat. But then, again, pretty much like how my whole career went, it was sort of like Simo put it to me. He's like, you want to be here or you want to go home? You just go home if you want. Do you want to be here? you want to influence you know, these young kids? you want to show them how to do it? And I sort of yeah, I thought, yeah, I do. So I lost, I lost 15 kilos in five weeks. Wow. I just like... Oof slipped like I, I went psycho diet was crazy and you know you look back and you think why don't you just do that your whole career well yeah. it's probably not sustainable to no be totally not um, no, no we got myself back in the team and yeah I played a couple of games leading into finals um I wasn't we we, we finished fifth that year and uh, I wasn't played in the elimination final against Collingwood which was here yep uh we lost by four points and um I don't have many regrets in footy or in life really but I I would have loved. I still don't regret. I, I would have loved to have played that game. I, I thought probably. I think you probably asked him. I will have to have him on back chat and ask him. I reckon if he had his time, he would have picked me in that game. Yeah, but didn't. That's how life goes, and 
my final vision of AFL footy was standing in the race, watching the last moment. Tom Cole had it, I remember it, had it, and he had a chance to get it inside 50, and Collingwood players came from nowhere and smothered it, and it would have been this final kick in and, you know, Leo, Leo Barry type chance of a mark, but smothered, game over, and it was siren gone. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm done. And That's I just it. walked back into the change rooms and sat down by myself and cried. Wow, wow. Mm. And it's just crazy how it is just over like that. It as was well, literally it? like that. It was, you know, game on. If we had have won, I think there were some injuries. I might have had a chance to come back in that next week. And, you know, it goes from that to done and dusted. Wow. And then from retiring, though, you have not been you're just chilling here, just retiring. No. You've got, you've got <laughs> businesses going on. You've got projects going on. You've got back chat going on. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're, what you're up to at the moment. Uh, look, there, I right? don't think we're competitors. I will start with that. No, no, no. no definitely at, not. Definitely I look at, not, at no, I, I do like, I, I'm, I really like trying I, to. Straight up, I look at yours and I go, fuck. I go, yeah, you're, I go, you're, you're eight, I go, you're 88 episodes in. I go, fuck me. I want mine sounding this good when, yeah. I, when I get to 80. You know I, what I mean? I so think, it's actually a form of inspiration to me rather I'm the same. It's like you look at everyone doing it and look, people listen to podcasts and, you know, people listen to yours. Probably don't have time to listen to back chat and vice versa. I don't think, like, no one's rolling around, you know, listening to 10 pods. It's like people like what they like. Yeah. And you can't force them to do anything. So you just got to keep making content that's, like, enjoyable to make probably yeah. first. Like, rather than, like, oh, I'll do this really cool interview with this cool person. And, yeah, sometimes it's like that. But, like, I think mostly, like the stuff we do with back chat, like I enjoy doing and it's like, you know, some people do like it, but yeah. some people don't either. And I don't look around going, Oh, like I've got to beat that person. I want to be the best though. Like I want to grow our audience. I want to you know, sell merch. I want to do cool live shit. Like last year we went to the F1. We covered um, McLaren with Daniel Ricardo. We went to Belgium and Amsterdam, did the UFC a few weeks back where just like some amazing moments. So like sometimes you get to stop and go, wow, oh, this, this is, is so cool. Yeah. Like, um, Israel Adesanya, I'm a massive UFC guy, and he did this pop-up shop and no one knew about it. And the media were all invited and no one came other than us. It's just back chat. No one else. Unreal. And we sat down with him for half an hour and did an interview with him. And I was, it was like, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? He's one of the most famous people probably in sport. Yeah. And he's in Perth and no one's sitting down with him. Just like stuff like that that, yeah, it's been cool. So like what we've grown with back chat, we've done that, you know, We've got aspirations to be more just than just a podcast. Like similar to what you're doing here, really. You know, you've got your podcast, and that's great. But you've got other avenues for what you're doing as well. And we're doing the same. Um, we're probably in the podcasting world. Like we make podcasts, so we've got yeah. we're sort of doing probably close to thirty pods a, a month at the moment with with you know double episodes with back chat a week and do the shelter footy cast. Yep. And we've got a basketball show. We've got a couple of corporates that do stuff with us. So we want to keep building that, but. Overall, like people ask us sort of how, how do you sort of build it all and stuff. It's like I I just like I like I like being sort of I don't say I don't know true to yourself, but I like being myself. I yep. like I like trying to just be me and with mainstream media it's really difficult to do that. Well I was gonna say what I actually like most about doing, you know, everything body magic, my podcast, whatever, and it sounds like you're the exact same. When you've been in a workplace where it's okay, cool. This is how you train. This is how you do your thing. This is how you do. You're told what to do, and there's rules to everything that you do. But yes. when you've got your own thing, there's no rules about anything yep. that you can do. You can go this way. You can go that way. You make the you make your own rules as you go. So couldn't agree more. Yeah. So it's it's way more rewarding because it can just go in so many more different pathways and more exciting pathways for you than it, anything else. It's harder. Mm. Oh, it's way a harder. lot easier. Go and get your nine to five job. Get yeah. paid really good money. Um, but you, you're building someone else's thing. Yeah. Right? That, that's probably how I justify it. It's a lot fucking harder doing your own thing. Yeah. You, you, like, it's a seven-day, 24 hours a day, never switch off. You never... Well, I feel like I'm never good enough. Like, I'm always like, right, okay, I did that. Now, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, what, what's this? What's this? What, you know? And it's, it's harder. Like, I find my career in media, like, so much harder than footy. Footy, rock up, train, be competitive, beat the next guy, and just, like, dominate people so it's that easy yeah tell it like, be here on time don't fuck up win yep like how easy at the time you think it's like oh, this is the hardest ever it's so bloody so much public pressure and so much like <laughs> this and that it's like you get paid a shitload of money to work out and execute like there's there's hard parts about it but like if you put it in reality and put it into the real world out here is bloody brutal mm. you know and, Most and definitely and you gotta you gotta put the hours in 
I put a lot more hours into this than I did footy. Yeah, definitely. And is there a guess that is there one podcast that you've done thus far that you're like, oh my god, that was so sick? Either because you really like talking to that person, it was just a good story, or like we had some good stuff last year. Shawnee Mack was awesome. Like that was a really good one. I just, really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's like old school. Yeah, he's like, can we swear on this podcast? I was like, yeah, like shit, cock balls. Like just like, started like going nuts, and just like great stories and really honest. I, I like the honest ones. I, I honestly. We've had some really famous people on. Justin Langer, probably our most recognisable yep. person, and, and it went wild. But that was nowhere near my favourite. Like, yep. not even close. It was a bit controversial. I don't do controversy very well. I don't yeah, like, neither do I, I don't, man. I don't I'm, like that shit. Yeah, neither do I. It affects me yeah, I don't, a lot. I don't, I don't like, like people it. coming for me. I just go like, Correct. I don't want that. Correct. <laughs> and that blew up beyond controllable, mate. Like, yeah. we, we were on every back page in the yeah. paper in Australia. We had... BBC call me. It was stupid. And I was, it didn't feel very nice to do. And I yeah. didn't, didn't like that at all. Um, the ones I love are just like random footy stories. Like Anthony Kudafidi's, like, that was cool. Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, like Dustin Fletcher, like speaking to him. But story like Quinn and Lynch, like, you know, he's not, he's not like this 300 game player, but like where he came, he's he a would. rookie list guy, had this cult following, he's throwing his glove in the air. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, no, she like that. Cool it's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I, I don't know. I just I like the stories over the pe- you know the most name, definitely the most name. definitely. I couldn't care less. Like I couldn't care less who I speak to. To yeah. be honest. And if there's one person that you could go him back, or him I'd love Peter Ball back on the pod. We did him externally. Yep. I'd love to get him sitting in a room. Yep. Quite uh But that's the thing. Right now, if you said to me, "Hey, um, I speak to Pete. He'd love to come on the pod and speak about what's going on in this." Yeah. Fuck. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. Yeah. It, like. I mean, how controversial that would be. Totally. And how, yeah. like, much attention... Like, attention's good. That's what you're trying to do, right? You but get when an it's, audience, But it's, yeah. like, that type of attention, it's like... Jeez, I don't know. So, um, dream guest. I'd love to sit down with, like... Uh, yeah, I'd love to sit down with guys in Western Australia who have been a big part of footy. Like, Matt Fife's probably, you know, biggest name in Frio, alongside Pavlich and Mundy. Um, Nick Nananui, we still haven't had him on the pod. Like guys like that, even the coaches, Adam Simpson, Justin Long. That would be good. The coaches would be a cool little insight. Yeah, I reckon. just just you know, and and hopefully keeping that that insight and that um, reputation that I think I have with like I'd use my time in the media as a player to know what doesn't work and know what people don't like, know what like people don't want to answer and talk about. Yeah, stay away from that shit and. Not that it's all like love and yeah, like fun and games and flowers. Well, I kind of feel if if I've got someone here, I don't want to bring up anything awkward because you don't mean a favor coming and doing it. And it's a cool thing for me, so I'm like, I don't want to stitch you up. By but if I want to speak about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I right, yeah. so talking about 2018 for me. Like, that's that's a real like yes. massive moment in my life. Like I want to speak about it, so I'm yes. speaking about it. Yes, yes. But you're yes. not like I'm not like break oh, down 2018. Exactly. Tell me about the ups and downs. Yes, yes. Um. So yeah, mate. Like I, I really love it. I do that. I do a bit of Fox Footy as well. Um. So that I do be a fair bit of that. Um. Uh. Hopefully, got a nice little suit deal happening with that because I've been dressing Ooh, myself. Yes. I've been, been dressing myself. I look like I'm out of you know Kmart catalog or something, <laughs> mate. Like, it's been, I've been putrid. It doesn't fit properly. So. I, so I reached out to a couple of suit guys and thought maybe and maybe just sussing some offers. Well, because yeah, I'm on the yeah. boundary and it's like. Hey, yeah, like, well, I'm looking want, good here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want go. Oh, here we go. I love that. Good. So yeah, Fox Footy do six PR. I write with Code Sports. Um, I try to, you know, I, I people say, "What do you do now?" I say, I "Talk shit for a living." Like, and and it's a you know facetious, but I try to, yeah, just give my opinion. Um, try to hit them straight. Just try to say it how it is. Don't try to be controversial. Don't try to be. Don't try to look after people too much. Just kind of be honest. And, yeah. Hopefully, I've sort of said, you know, people listening along today will be thinking the same thing. It's like, oh, he's just a normal, says it how it is, normal guy. Absolutely. Well, mate, thank you so much for coming all the way to the depth of the Canning Valley to uh, do the episode with me. It's unreal out here. It's uh, been such a good chat and uh, some, yeah, good, good little things. Like I said, you know, I love listening to you on back chats and. um, Fabian, I saw it. Sorry, we didn't mention this off the top, but I'll tell you what. So, back chat. is a little bit of merch. Some of the merch, yeah. Do a little bit of merch. I'll have to send some merch out to you, mate. Yeah, please um, do. Please we've do. Got, we've got, who do you go for? I'm a Dockers guy. Right. So we've got, uh, we've got Flag Mandel 2.0 coming out in about uh, all seven days. Yeah, great. I think that the official one's coming out in like September, October wow. this year. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> You'll like this one. You'll be able to, you might be able to just, oh, I can't give too much away. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, so send some, we'll put it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, but uh, for people that want to um, find you as well, Backchatpodcast.com.au. Yep. Um, find all the good stuff there. Socials, backchat double underscore. I feel like I'm a record that's broken. <laughs> I say this shit every time I think. But, mate, like, 
like I said, I do think, you know, podcasting a bit of a community. You know, totally. People, people should get around everyone. So I love what you're doing in here too, mate. Totally. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. You're so generous with all sorts of other, you know, um, time commitments that you do elsewhere. So thank you very much. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. We need to get you some sponsors to give a bit of a rollout at the end, don't we? Uh, we definitely do. I'm working on a Master's Milk one. That's Perfect. on the, that's, that's Shout on the out Masters. Like, <laughs> you should have got me skull on a Master's Milk and then said it to him. We should have We did that, that with a whiskey sponsorship and we got it. And it got it. Excellent. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another episode of Potty Magic all wrapped up. Thank you so much to Will Schofield for coming all the way and doing that episode with me. It was bloody awesome. Uh, if you need another podcast to listen to, back chat, check it out. It's my personal favourite at the moment. He's a bloody legend over there. He's an absolute pro. And, yeah, there's some great episodes over there. So make sure you go check those ones out. Uh, thanks again, Will. And, um, yeah, just as always, make sure you leave your uh, your, your comments, your reviews. Um, really goes a long way on Spotify, Apple Music, and uh, YouTube as well. Hit the subscribe button. Um, and uh, if you're interested in signing up to the March 12-week challenge that starts on the 20th, there is some spots available. It's only 25 bucks a week. Uh, gym program, custom meal plan, weekly check-in with me. We'll chat all the time um, and guide you through and get you a great result uh, for the 12 weeks and also beyond. But uh, head to www.bodymagic.fit to sign on up for that one today. Um, but apart from that, bloody love you work legends. Thank you so much for tuning on in. Can't wait for uh, next week's episode and I'll uh, chat to you then. Thanks, guys. Love your work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.